Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. everybody, my name is Neil White and this is the Big Interview Q&A show, special one today. With me are Graham Hunter, host of The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. There were clues there for the quicker among you. And Pete Jensen of La Liga Television, who is our guest for these monthly shows. Our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Support us, they get early access to all our shows and they get the chance to ask these two questions every month. This time, we asked them for questions looking ahead to the Europa League final, but it seems strange and wrong to have both of you here and not to talk about the end of the Spanish title race, which unfolded at the weekend. So let's break out a bit of tape from a show that we recorded in September. Guys, I think that was just before you joined us, Pete. This is Graham Hunter. Suarez in the right team is still utterly flipping brilliant he's an outrageously smart center forward and in the right type of athletic team including an athletic atleti team i think he's still got a 2025 goal season in him and that's what atleti are missing how many goals did luis suarez score for atleti this season look uh the total of 21 uh probably isn't quite as vital as to how they came and i think I'm going to hand quickly to Pete because I, I think Pete knows him better personally than I do. In fact, I don't think I know. He bears a grudge, Luis Suarez. Or, or, or if not bear a grudge, he, he remembers everything that's ever said or written about him. And, um, you know, this would have been boiling inside him all season, the way that he was treated. Um, what was it, third highest goal scorer in Barcelona's history? Um, and even today in, in, the, in the Catalan papers, they're talking about, well, you know, we had to get rid of him because he was... He was a bit causing problems in the dressing room and, um, you know, too close to Messi. They thought he was also a little bit too old, um, a little bit too slow, um, maybe missed too many games. And, of course, they've, they've, they've since bought Kun Aguero, who we might maybe get onto, get onto later at some point, and he's a fantastic player. But he's pretty much all the things that, that, um, that Suarez is and, and, and the reason why they, they got rid of him at the end of last season. But he won't have forgotten that. Um, and he won't have forgotten all that was written about him. And it's not so much Bartomeu. I mean, Bartomeu gets rid of him and Bartomeu is history now. And uh, But it's the fact that no one really stood up at the club and said, what, what? We, can't, we can't get rid of this fella. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's a legend at the club. Um, for all that he's achieved, he deserves to be treated better. Well, have you seen all the times you've met him, Peter? I, mean, I don't expect there was an occasion 
But given how many times you've worked with him and, and helped ghost his book, it, the, the crying interview on camera when he won the title, where it, it, he's, he's sniffing and sobbing, that was relatively remarkable. But when the, when the, the camera pans to him sitting on the turf, talking, I think, to his wife and daughters on the phone, and his body is just heaving with sobs, I, 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 I hadn't been able to imagine that even Triumph w- would do that to him. And I think that you've touched on the Triumph for Vindication, but also the, I think that the, the, the brutal brusque way, plus nobody standing up for him, in, maybe just inculcated him with the tiniest bit of self-doubt, subconscious, hidden self-doubt about, well, maybe there's something to this. Um, because the, 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 the way in which he was convulsed with emotion really took me aback, particularly not just talking to the camera, because as you say things out, you can become overtaken a little bit. But sitting down and talking to whoever he was, I presume Sophie and the kids, he was just completely overtaken. It's just his body was just heaving with sobs. It was a really strange sight, but it but it speaks to what you've been talking about. And I think also it was the nature of the, the of the way he did it and the way they did it. I mean, there are two minutes from 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 ruining it against Osasuna, and he scores that goal. Um, and then they throw it away again against Fidelity when Oscar Plano gets the opening goal. So um, we know that the, the 21 goals meant more points uh, for Atletico than anyone else's goals meant for, the, for their team. And for the last two games, for him to have to get the winner and they come back, you know, I think the tension, you know, when, when you finally do it, when the final whistle blows and you realise that, yeah, you've won the league. Um, um, and, you know, if Real Madrid had signed him, they would have won the league. If Barcelona had kept him, they would have won the league. It, it, it was Seville. the difference. If Seville, Seville would have won the league, you're right. Seville it, it, would have won the title him. if they'd signed him. Yeah. So, you know, it came down to something as, as simple as that. And um, don't underestimate his... Sorry, Graham, you, you're going to jump in there. Don't underestimate... All I was going to say was don't underestimate also uh, how, how important he is in the dressing room. Um, and, and this nonsense that's still coming out of Barcelona that he was a problem um, he's gone straight into Atletico Madrid and, he, and he's given them something that they didn't have uh, or haven't had in previous seasons winning mentality he's a, he's a proper what do they call it a great teammate don't they the Spanish always use that phrase he's a great teammate um, and that's that's been important this season as well you've segued perfectly to what I don't want to let I, I'm not going to let Bartomeu the ex-president of Barcelona off the hook very easily my, my neighbour if we leaned out the, the balcony, we could see his front windows. Um, last summer, he, Bartomeu, as president, went round the house of a senior Barca player. And I'm not going to say his name. And he said, look, don't worry about Suarez. You're not going to have to put up with him anymore. I know you, you think he's a real pesado. That, in other words, he, he's... He, I don't know if that was the French anthem or the Dutch anthem that you just did there. Uh, no comment. I think it was clear enough. Mes enfants. I'm getting rid of him for you. You're not going to have to bother about him anymore. He's going to be out of your way. The player in question at the time was like, Suarez has been utterly brilliant to me. He's um, made me feel at home. He's built bridges with Messi. He's been an extraordinary teammate. And the president was there sitting to his player going, I'm going to get rid of him for you, don't you worry. All he wanted to do was show, this is my club. 
and he couldn't get Messi out, he couldn't bully Messi out, which he wanted to do. And in a fit of peak, it was like, well, I'll get, I'll do the next best thing. I'll push that guy out and I'll tell Koeman, it's a condition of getting the job that you do the dirty. And, you know, bollocks to them both. One, Koeman's in a more difficult position and maybe should have said, I'm taking a job, but I'm not doing that. I did that at Valencia. I did dirty work on Albelda and Canizares and Angulo before and look where it got me. Look where it's going to get him now. Um, and, yeah, nobody stood up. The, the loudest protest was midway through the season when Messi finally talked about it. But, but Bartomeu has probably cost his club the title at a time when um, their reputation is low, when recruitment is difficult, when finances are, are you know, the, 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 the torn arse out of their trousers on the finances. And it's been utterly pathetic by that man. It's been a cardinal sin that Bartomeu committed. And he'll go down in the at least the annals, double N, I think, probably double N, of Spanish... Uh, football history for this outright blunder as fascinating as it is to to analyze the Suarez move um, and everything that he did for Atleti and didn't do for Barcelona and other teams Pete if you had to zero in on one other aspect of the Atleti title win where would your eye land first well, you know, I'm a major cholista, so I could go down that path. Um, it's difficult to pinpoint one thing because I, um, I'd i like to pick Simeone, but I think Savage has been tremendous. I think he's been the Diego Godin of this season um, and he's given them something that they, they haven't had in the, in the past, in the recent past. Llorente's um, been sensational, so has Carrasco. Um, uh, but I pick out Trippier because I think um, it's not easy for for British players to go abroad and win things. Um, we know that, um, um, and this is someone who's surplus to requirements at Tottenham has not had a great final season. Um, is criticised in England, still criticised in England. Someone who can't defend very well, um, and he goes to play for Diego Simeone, where you either defend well or you're, you're basically watching from the stands. Um, and he has a sensational season, and their dip comes when he's not there. Um, and um, he, some people say, well, the system was changed, and that's why he had a good season. But um, towards the end, they went back to the, the back four, and it worked brilliantly um, for him. And I thought he was absolutely sensational. And not much is really being said about this in back back uh, back in England, um, which is surprising when you think of you know the 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 the, um, the coverage that was was given to or has been given in the past to other players who've gone to Led Eager and, and, and not won things or taken their time to win things. Um, so I think his contribution has been has been immense. Um, I thought it was right when when he went there I thought, yeah, that's a, there's a Simeone player there. Um, and he's responded to Simeone and, and he's he's in most people's team of the year and he's he's a champion. Neil I would you know try and pick up what Pete said and say it's been such a team triumph. If you were to try to separate out Correa and Llorente and Carrasco and Trippier and Suarez, it would be very, very difficult indeed. I think it's a, it might not be as eye-catching, but Oblak has been both um, an extraordinary keeper. He's going to be at or around, pound for pound, the best in La Liga. He's up there fighting tooth and nail with Courtois, but um, you can see that he infused the team with something that Pete mentioned from Savage too, which was 
defiance, winning mentality. And I hope, I don't know if it's going to be true, but I, I think they've gone round in par. If you compare them to a great goalkeeper, a golfer, I think that at the beginning of the season, with Barcelona and Real Madrid in... in well, Barcelona had a terrible state of flux and Real Madrid not reinforced and ageing and tiring. Even though Atleti had pretty serious injuries and COVID absences to deal with. I think they've gone around the course, maybe in one under, but roundabout par, because they, they looked like they should be champions. They had an exceptional squad. It had been reinforced in terms of balance and quality. Money doesn't win your leagues, but they, they'd actually gone out and said, yeah, we, we're going to stake. We're going to stake really high. Not quite all in, but we're going to back you. We're going to we are spending money to win a title. And they have won the title. It's been glorious in the way that they've done it. The last two matches made it really grandstand stuff. But if we if we try to project forward at all, because I, I think it's, you know, it'll never, I'm not besmirching the triumph, and it'll never ever in the eyes of Atleti fans be be talked down simply because Real Madrid and Barcelona are, are, are patently uh, a little bit eight stone weakling at the moment. The, the number one thing that stops me getting excited about Cholo Simeone is the way in which he almost fumbled it. The way in which during the season when the odds were going against him, he lost his way a little bit, he confused his players a little bit, he made a series of poor decisions and across a 38 game league in the midst of a pandemic with players dropping left right and center it, it's acceptable it's not a, it's not a capital crime that that happened but it did happen and i don't believe that even though he's won the title that this is that we're watching vintage cholo in terms of maybe in terms of man management but tactically definitely not but maybe this gets this kills a ghost because in, in all of Atleti's title wins since I was born, bar one, Madrid haven't been a factor. So if you look from 1966 onwards, which is the last time Atleti and Real Madrid went neck and neck down to the last day, Real Madrid have been fourth and fifth and ninth. And even in 2014, there were five points off the lead. They weren't a factor on the final day. And this has been, you know, ultimately... Nose to nose, Atleti and Real Madrid, and the, the the biggest ghosts for Cholo to vanquish are those two Champions League final defeats to Real Madrid. Not just because you lose to your neighbours, because they can lord over you and your players and your fans and in, in the media again, but because each of them, in their own way, were were heartbreaking. And that's tortured him, and it's changed him, and it's made him less ferocious as a manager. And this victory isn't just. Second league title for him as coach, third in his time at Atleti. It's against Madrid. That's who was that was their stalking horse. That was who they were going to hand it to if they if they if Vidal scored one more goal. And I, I want this to be like nutritious for Simeone and for him to go. Okay, got that monkey off my back. Now I want to tilt to a second league, retaining it. And there's there's a right good chance, given what Real Madrid and <clears throat> excuse me Barcelona are going through right now, there is a right good chance, and they need to be more, they need to punch their weight better in the Champions League. They've shown that the Europa League is 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 their fiefdom when they want it. Now they need to power on from this and change their personality, change the psychology, to a, to 
degree change their playing style. And I think this can, not will, but can be a trampoline towards those two things. Okay, gentlemen, we are charged with previewing the Europa League final, so let's put Atletico to one side and move on to Villarreal versus Manchester United, if we can. The first question comes from a social Robert Ryan, who says, Is this Villarreal side as good as the side I didn't get to see in person at Ibrox due to an ear infection? Thanks for the detail, Robert. That beat Rangers over two legs under Alex McLeish. Robert is talking about Champions League knockout tie that the El Submarine won on away goals in 2006. So, gentlemen, I have pulled out the starting 11 from that day and lined it up against the team that we think is going to start the final. We're going 1v1, 1-11, 2006 vintage first, and I would like a vote from both of you. Are the rules clear? (laughs) So far, so good. (laughs) Ciao, Roberto. Goalkeeper. In 2006, it was Sebastian Vieira. This year, we think it's going to be Geronimo. <laughs> yeah, I can't vote for a guy whose name is the same as we used to shout as we jumped off the, the sort of, what you call them, the dunes in Scarista and Harris, Geronimo. Geronimo Rui isn't as good as Seba, and he's not as good as Asenjo. So... The Robert Ryan Vintage wins it, Neil. Um, but please, 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 Unai, play a single against Manchester United. Yeah, I share Graham's um, um, nightmares about Gerard Rulli. I, I think he's really, I think he's really, really talented. I think he's a, he's very agile. I think he's got great reflexes. I think his distribution is fantastic. I was I watched the game. I did the game Madrid Villarreal at the weekend, and and he's pinging passes all over the place, like you know Franz Beckenbauer. But he's got this mental problem in terms of concentration that you cannot have as a goalkeeper. He, he switches off. He, re- he goes into relax mode. Um, um, and in the first half, Madrid weren't taking advantage of it. But in the second half, Rodrigo Goes comes on and he chases him down and he almost, he almost robs him in the six-yard box. And if that happens on Wednesday, then that's, you know, that's curtains before curtain up. Um, so... Um, yeah, absolutely. Of the three we're talking about, well, the two we're talking about, if we're discounting Asenko because we know he's, we know, you know he's not going to start despite Graham's protestations. Uh, yeah, I mean, it absolutely one has to one hundred percent has to be uh, has to be Vieira. Okay, right back. Fifteen years ago was Javi Venta, and then we think Graham. I'm just going to make sure I've got this right because I've got a thousand scribbles here. Are we picking Juan Foyt? One, one, one fight has been deployed at right back, although he, he thinks of himself as a, a centre-half or a centre-midfielder. And most of the season he got injured against Arsenal in the first leg, the 2-1 win at Madrigal. And it wasn't until the Sunday of the week of the final that he trained. So let's say he goes in. I think, uh, first of all, every time you ever saw Javi Venta, um, would know that you know he's like the wind because he's up and down. That it's just, it, it, I'm not gonna say never mind the quality feel the wind, but if you were his opponent and you thought I can run with him all day, then nine times out of ten you'd have found you couldn't. Whether he was the most refined defender or not, I'd say probably not. But his effort was just non-stop. Even in that, he was definitely like poppy dog after a tennis ball if he thought he could catch you um, Foyt 
is, is patently a good footballer and coming forward from right back his use of the ball is far better than Xavi Ventas ever was and Foyt is 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 has got that thing that the Argentinians bring which means he's a he's a pretty dogged competitor who will not be thrown off the scent if, if, if he's in a bad patch in the game the trouble is defensive positioning he's not superb and teams target him and often they'll find him having wandered they put the ball over his head so look Foyth is, is a better all-round footballer but as an out-and-out right-back if you wanted to say I need somebody upon whom I can absolutely vouch safe and he's going to drag the team up the pitch every time he gets the ball I'd, I'd probably just about go for Xavi Venter He's what a full-back should be um, unassuming robust runs forever um, not the best player in the team but um, dependable and Foyth um, is, is a kind of work in progress he, he's definitely talented and uh, he's probably not going to end up as a right back which is another reason to definitely go for Javi Venter Great let's take the, the centre backs as pairings so if I can pit Juan Manuel Peña and Gonzalo against Raul Alvio and Pau Torres Pete why don't you start us up on this one well, that's, you've made it easier for us, I think, because I think the torres Albiol partnership is is a brilliant one. Um, and I think that Pau Torres has really been helped this season by being alongside Albiol. So I would go for those. But they were great, Peña and Gonzalo Rodriguez, and they were great against Rangers. I mean, that first leg uh, at Ibrox, Gonzalo Rodriguez was brilliant. And I think he plays the pass as well in, for, this, for the goal they, they get in the 1-1 um, at El Madrigal. So you know they were they they were tough and uncompromising. He was quick as well, Gonzalo. But um, Pau Torres and Albiol this season probably shaded only by Diego Carlos and Kunde as there's the best pairing in La Liga. So I'd go for them. No, the, the way you've Pete's phrased it is spot on because you you can't um, you Gonzalo was just unbelievable. He was such a good. He was a mix of Spanish, Argentinian, and Italian. If he had to be, he knew every trick in the book. His reading of how to defend an opponent was utterly brilliant. He could play off a centre forward or he could catenaccio you right out of the match. And if you let him come forward, he seemed to be in a sort of... He, he looked like a sort of sleepwalker. He, he, he went at the pace that I would play at if I was in the Europa League final. And yet he would go past people and kind of, at the very last minute, go slouch past somebody and then slouch past somebody else. And then, as Pete said, <coughs> deliver a pass. He was a monstrous player. There was a time at which I thought he was the best marking centre-half in Europe. It was just ab- absolutely brilliant watching him. But if, 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 we only, if we're not allowed to mix and match the partnership, which you haven't given us any inclination that we are allowed to pair Gonzalo with Pau Torres, then kudos has to be given to Albiol for the way in which his time at Napoli has utterly changed him. His understanding of what is required of a top-level team, a top-level defender in Serie A, the concentration to take the, to take the ball and pass the ball from Pete about really that Albiol's com, um, concentration n- never dips. I was up close to him recently. I was at the Villarreal Arsenal match and he came to one of the flash zones and he's much bigger now than he was. And the last time I saw him close up and spoke to him was 2010 in the World Cup before he got injured. He's put on a lot of body mass in the gym. He's much, much bigger. 
and and therefore he, he's going to be one of the absolute keys. If if United start with Cavani, then Albiol's understood. They just didn't crisscross at Napoli quite. But Albiol's understanding of what Cavani is going to try to do, and I presume he does start, because um, in the Europa League, Cavani's record is a goal or an assist every thirty-five minutes. It's it's fucking bonkers. Then Albiol's movement, but also his ability to to combat Cavani needs to be... And Cavani will obviously try and target Powell. So there's the little, um, you know, marketplace for um, for strikers and centre-halves in this game. But the partnership, seeing as you phrased it that way, probably has to go to Albiol and Pau Torres, but I'm never going to forgive myself for letting Gonzalo be out of any team that I'm involved in. Uh, left back. This week we think Alfonso Pedraza um, and then 2006 vintage was Rodolfo Arobarena. Pete? Arobarena gets the goal, doesn't he, in the in the second leg, I think. Um, he does, which, he does. Which, which puts Villarreal through. Um, I really like Pedraza. I think, um, I think he, he, he can play as a wing-back and I, but I think he gets away with it at a full-back as well. And Villarreal are built on... Um, built on attacking fullbacks, it's how Pellegrini's teams always got the got the width with you know Riquelme and uh, and the like tucking in, and, and the width comes from the fullbacks. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Pedraza. Yeah, I'm not gonna disagree with anything about Pedraza. He he's a little bit loopy. Um, he isn't the best defender. He's fun when he goes forward, particularly um under the under Calleja when they went to three at the back and he was a wing back I, I started a Pedraza Ballon d'Or campaign because he just he just had so much flashing blade d'Artagnan fun up front once he started on on the runs but Arua Barena was everything we said about Venta and more he was a better footballer a better competitor he was super smart he just hustled players opposition players out of games and in a match where Pedraza's flair and pace don't count as much as Villarreal making sure that they're in all the individual battles competitively, um, given that the 11 that you're turning out here, Neil, is going to have to face this Manchester United, um, for me, I'm going to say I, I take an easy choice in this one, Arua Barrena. OK, formation-wise, I'm finding it harder to um, come up with this sort of pairing an adjacent pairing for midfield so we might have to take these one on one which might give us a little bit of a mismatch on occasion but Marco Senna a favourite of this podcast I warn you now before we begin versus Etienne Capoue Graham I know I can rely on you so let's start there uh, alright listen um, to explain to any socio who isn't aware of our Marcos uh, Senna loving uh, number one, when we wanted to write a book about Spain, Marcus gave us just the most glorious interview ever. And he went on to become one of the dominant midfielders of all time for Villarreal. Um, won the Euros with Spain and just wasn't bowed by anybody. When I called him to come and play in Michael Carrick's uh, testimonial, not only did he come and play, but in the Sunday night... Um, disco post-match where Robbie Keane and Michael Carrick duetted on stage uh, with a guitar and did Oasis songs. Senna showed that his dancing feet are as beautiful as his football feet. I've even forgotten who he's going up against. Is that good enough for you, Neil? He's a cool guy. He's a funny guy. He's an ambassador for the club. Does it even matter who he was going up against? Etienne, listen, you, you, you were a great home for 
Platini before he became a scumbag. You make you you make super music. To be honest with you, like you're in a bad way is one of my favorite numbers that you recorded. But Etienne, c'est pas toi cette fois, pardon. Um, you know, Senna actually played pretty much on the right um, in the first leg against Rangers because they played uh, Takinadi in the middle with Josico and Josico uh, and um, and Senna was kind of shunted out on the right, which you can't believe, can you, when you think what he did. <clears throat> Two years later, um, at the Euros, um, of all the midfield players in in the pot, basically, um, and we shouldn't forget Borro obviously can't play in the final, and that's that's a big shame. And and I think Villarreal would have had a much better season if he'd been fit. But yeah, Senna's Senna's head and shoulders above above the rest, um, and in his rightful place, you know, in the centre of midfield, of course, of course, it has to be Senna. Capoui's got better, by the way. He he really struggled when he turned up from Watford, um, but he's improved. And um, you know, there's hope for Villarreal that you know maybe he can he can put in a performance on on Wednesday for them. But no, you go with Senna ahead of him. Great, I'm very happy. Um, actually, another favourite. This time playing for the current Villarreal team, um, Danny Perdejo versus Josico. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just so different. Josico was, um, again, I mean, I think he racked up a few hundred games and, and he was somebody in whom you could place absolute trust because his attention to detail, his effort... His ability to, to, to draw the, the midfield forward was reasonably good. But he defensively, he was very organised. If you found a teammate out of position, very, very often Josico would have made a run back 25, 30 metres. Not big, long, long-busting runs, but to be in position to support. There was a reason that he was so successful across his career. But Danny Parejo is a, is a magician. He's, he's got a, a big, big interview today where for the second time this season they said I'm much happier at Villarreal than I was at Valencia I've changed it's changed me it's allowed me to be less pressurised less in the eye of the storm more enjoying my football and you know the figure of the thing it doesn't show he's had a good season but he hasn't had a season that touches his best at Valencia I'd hate the thought that he's one of these who only reaches the excelsior heights when he's under pressure, when he's been dug out, when he has to push against the world. Because at Villarreal, he's been influential. And we'll come to the forwards back, I might be in the team, because of a beautiful corner um, against Sevilla, where literally Baca just had to hunch his shoulders and stand on his tiptoes and nod it into the net. Pareco's use to the ball is exceptional. In terms of what you might have expected him to do, defence splitting passes... Gerard Moreno is actually doing more of those than Danny Parejo. But given the comparison you've made for this game, and given Parejo's ability to do the extraordinary, and I, I think that's the right choice of the word, from corners, from free kicks, but also if United don't gobble him up, which to fair play to United, they have tended to do against Granada and Real Sociedad in, in thumping wins, which total, I don't know, what, 8-0 total, I think 8-0 total against the, those two sides. They'll try to gobble Parejo up and, and that may determine the slim chances Villarreal have. But on that comparison, given the the absolute need for quality, Parejo has to edge that one. Yeah, I go along with that. Um, I think the thing about Parejo is if if you give him a bodyguard next to him, then he's so much better. If you tell him to be the bodyguard, then then you're in a little bit of trouble. Um 
And if we're putting him next to Marcus Senna, well, jobs jobs are good, um, and he can play the passes, um, and he does that brilliantly. Set pieces as well. Um, I agree with Graham. He's not quite had the the season that we we expected from him, but maybe that that goes back to Ibora. Ibora next to next to him would have been a different would have been different for him. But yeah, go along with that, um, Parejo. Okay, as this system um, and the very foundations of this little game continues to unravel, we seem to have Alessio Tacanardi versus Manu Trigueros. So I don't know if this is a fair comparison. Yeah, I mean, do you need Tacanardi if you're going to play centre in the middle? I'd probably go with Trigueros. I like Trigueros. He's, he's neat and tidy, um, moves the ball on quickly, um, miss him when he's not there, sometimes more than you notice him when he is there. I'm going to go with Trigueros. Trigueros is a little bit of the wisp. And you can see why he started off in Barca's Cantera. He's been important. He's exhausted. Uh, you haven't allowed us to, or you haven't stated whether we use current criteria in rather than just global criteria. Tacanardi was exceptional. Tacanardi was so good. He was, a, he was an exceptional footballer who combined things that Ibora gave to the team, but also really exceptional um, ability to pass from centre midfield good aerially and it's a brutal comparison I mean a really brutal comparison if, if you say the Takanardi of Juventus he wins that battle every single time irrespective of the disparity in how they play because Trigaris doesn't he's, you know, he's about half Takanardi's size and what he does is he gives you some of the craft um, but, but I'm going to say that if we have a midfield what's our midfield so far Marcos Senna Danny Parejo and Takanardi if if you have that midfield compare uh, Marcos Senna, um, Dani Parejo, and Trigueros, then you don't lose games. So it's much as I liked Trigueros, who is absolutely knackered, by the way. Um, Takinari, Alessio wins this. It is, I'm sure it's Alessio Takinari. Takinari wins it for me. Okay, let's go to the front threes. Um, well, let's start with the left side before I think for the 2006 vintage, which was. Uh, Jimmy Bullard's favourite, Juan Roman Roquelme. Um, and Jeremy, we think, will start the final. Yeah, let's start this down right from the start. Roquelme um, would have sneered at anybody who tried to play him up front in a three. Um, Roquelme gets in every team against anybody every single time. Jeremy Pino, we hope that his little knock on his ankle that he got against Madrid doesn't rule him out. Chiquese is the guy who would normally be in that position probably because Jeremy although he is a very talented footballer and got the goal against Real Madrid at the weekend but has relentlessly shot when he came on against um, Arsenal second leg his positional discipline his work rate his understanding of what he had to do for a relatively young guy who I think is 2021 was was very good but um, Chiquese might be fit I think Jeremy starts this game but you said the, the golden name, didn't you? Um, Raquelme was kicked out. There was a Suarez situation. Louis van Gaal went to him at Barcelona and said, I'm not counting on you. You're not, you're not in my plans. Find a club. And Raquelme has never held that against him. He thought it was good that somebody came and said that straight to his face. He went down to Villarreal and they bought him a big house um, out in the, not the country, but outside the town, but a big house, a, a mansion fitting of a beautiful player. And he went well, this is crap, I don't want to live out here, put me in some tenement in the town. He, he was given a little tiny little apartment up, you know, up an escalator, up a close in, in the town, happy as anything, bossed the team, maybe the best player that's ever played for Villarreal. And so even if you were comparing him to 
Seba Vieira and you were saying Raquel May in goals he's in the team it doesn't matter where he's in he's in he's in yeah um, he's a great prospect uh, Pino and he's only 18 he's only 18 years old um, um, and he was very good at the weekend against against Madrid and he got the goal um, but yeah I mean yeah, he's, he's, he's unlucky to be up against Raquel May who was was brilliant in particularly in that first game at Ibrox he was absolutely sensational um, and probably is the best player that Villarreal have had um, and he, he, he scored that night I think it was um, all, it was a Penenka-ish penalty um, and he ran to, to Manuel Pellegrini and Pellegrini's wife had been in hospital before the first leg in Glasgow and Pellegrini only sort of turned up 15 minutes before the start of the game um, and Raquel Me didn't always see eye to eye with Pellegrini um, but Pellegrini's as, all, as, as so many great managers do forget about little differences of opinion and forget about personality clashes um, because all that really matters is picking the best team and um, they fell out towards the end but you know they, 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 they held a, a fragile piece for as long as was necessary to make Villarreal um, what they became a great team um, and it has to, absolutely has to be Raquel Me. Pete, we think Carlos Baca will start front for Villarreal against United and against him we have somebody with a Manchester United connection, Diego Forlan. Yeah, um, Baca's on good form. He got a hatch against Sevilla, didn't he, two games back at the weekend against Real Madrid. He wasn't particularly brilliant, but he was a nuisance and their first goal is him sort of, you know, um, looming large over Odria Tholo and Odria Tholo's worried about Baca and he doesn't see um, Jeremy Pino. Um, nip in and get the goal um, but um, again really it's it's another I'd have to say mismatch it's got to be Diego Forlan sensational Forlan I think as well um, if you're talking all time all time Forlan Baka is a goal scorer Baka is a penalty box player and, and extremely good at it Forlan gives you different things happy to drop wide happy to outpace players although Baka's not Small, small Forlan is much better in the air, um, f- much feistier than people gave him credit for, and he'd be in the running to be considered, you know, in the top four or five best players Villarreal have ever had. He sneaks it, although Baca knows how to win this competition, was crucial in two of Emery's previous wins. It's clear he's a touchstone guy um, for Unai Emery and his hat trick. Um, but not two weeks ago, ten, nine, eight nine days ago, against Sevilla was was exquisite. It was absolutely superb and showed him to be so calculating, quick mentally. But, but Forlan um, was very very special and had more all round things to his game. So if it's pound for pound, each of them in their best age, Forlan edges it. Okay, Graham, last spot. It's uh, Jose Marie versus Gerard. Gerard wins this easily. Um, no offence to Jose Marie, um, a player who had some really big, sensational, in fact, goals in his locker um, during his career. But Gerard Moreno is, is extremely special. Um, it stands out that he's a left-foot finisher, but what I like is that he shows his background and he talks about his background being a street footballer. He said, I, I learned partly on the streets of Catalonia but partly on the rough what we would call red Robert you and I Neil would call red blaze pitches that's where he learned his his skills and the idea about being quick enough and clever enough not to be knocked over and scrape all your skin off 
the idea of being, you know, not taunting, but but driving your opponent mad. These are things he's brought from his junior football in Catalonia. And while he's a very, very good left-footed finisher, the thing that I adore about him is that, it, like Villa, he'll drift out onto the wing and, and not be positioned there, but wait out there. And if the other side has lost sense of where he is at all, he gets the ball, this cut inside and onto his left is massively dangerous. And I said it before, so I'll pick up on my own tip. This season, more than any season I've seen, his ability to to be to not care who scores the goal and for him to drop back into a 10 or, or even a Parejo position behind the 10 deeper and make link passes which cut defences open, gorgeous. Had he been, again, like not absolutely exhausted, I'd have said that on a night where he's special, Villarreal have a decent chance against United. I think United win this, and I think that Gerard is is literally running on empty at the moment. But in terms of getting in our team, you know, easily by a walkover, it's Gerard Moreno. Yeah, I have to go along with that. Um, I think he's better playing out on the on the right and coming in on his left foot than he is when he plays at centre forward. I think sometimes he plays through the middle. So I think you'll benefit on Wednesday night by the fact that Backus is probably going to start. Um, and, and will be more of a threat because of that. Um, but um, the only problem with, of course, with Forlan and um, Gerald Moreno up front is you, you might have too many occasions when neither of them in the area. They're both <laughs> they're both trying to help us build the play, and, and no one's there to finish. So, um, but um, yeah, it's got to be Gerald Moreno. Okay, I make that a crushing victory for the 2016. Um, which, when you look at it, you know, from this distance, was an absolutely sensational. 11 that they had uh, Robert Ryan Socio Robert Ryan thank you very much for the inspiration for that fun game time for a quick break here we'll be back very quickly with a couple more questions on Villarreal versus Manchester United Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're back, and our sponsors at Bet365 want to dig a little bit deeper into that um, probable 11 that we've just been through and want to know who the key players for Villarreal will be if they are to beat Manchester United. So 
Guys, if I ask you to just zoom in on one or two of those names, maybe in terms of matchups or just something that has to happen if Emery's plan is going to is going to come off. Well, I'm going to go clearer on um, Gerald Rulli because Pete gave a really good description of him about his agility, and there's a, there's a, if you wanted to call it, there's an Ikakasia school of goalkeepers. Um, then he, he'd be, you know, knocking on the door to try and get into that because if you say to him, um, here's a game where the team are playing reasonably well and you're just going to get the occasional shot coming at you, you'd say, really can have days where he's flinging himself all over the place and there's a wow factor. If you talk about, and I, I first started using it, and I don't care if everybody else has used it before, but I like it. Um, Joe, who's the city goalkeeper? Joe Hart. St- stood out for people was England goalkeeper and had days when you thought, that's a special goalkeeper. But for my eye, always his housekeeping was wrong. That a shot would bounce back off him when it shouldn't. Maybe he would divert a save into the path of the striker when he shouldn't. A catch might go awry. And I'm not sure if it was the same... You know, Pete used the word about concentration with Ruli, which I think nails him. But he also um, sort of court gestures his way around the penalty area, going, oh, listen, I've come for that and I haven't won it. <laughs> isn't life grand? No, it fucking isn't, you idiot. And he's often found waving to somebody in the stand, oh, oh no, that was an attempt to, to, to punch the ball away. He, you know... His, his central defenders at the moment need to pack a pair of brown shorts because they've got no idea what he's doing. When you see you know, any snapshot with a central defender turning and shouting at his goalkeeper, you know that the all's not well in the family. Um, and, and you talked about key battles, and Bet365 wanted to know about key players. Unai Emery is in history already. He's in the Guinness Book of Records already. He's won three of his four finals. When he coaches on um, on Wednesday, he'll be he'll become the all-time coach for numbers of games coached in the Europa League, ahead of Trapattoni, uh, moving from 100 to 101. This is a special guy. Yet, this is a special decision that can I think can mark Emery in the way that I hate to say it because you know I adore Jim Layton. But Alex Ferguson thought that Jim Layton wasn't on the right form to keep the second leg of the FA Cup against Crystal Palace. Lo and behold, from 3-3, it goes to 1-0. I think he chose Les Seeley that day. Aseneco is a different animal. Robust, far more likely to be able to come and catch the ball and take hits from Rashford or Cavani, whoever it may be. Um, mentally much more grounded and focused. He's been through the hardest of times via injury and that's left a product of a keeper who's intent on squeezing the best out of every remaining moment of his career and without saying that you know he's the number one in the world Asenjo should start really should be dropped if that doesn't happen then I would steal um, Pete's expression about curtains before curtain up I think it's that big a decision Pete what about you where do you see the game being Maybe not won or lost in a in a microcosm, but what's the key area for you for Villarreal? 
I think if Villarreal are going to have a chance, then Bakker's going to have to have one of his special nights. We've we already spoken a little bit about him. He's, he's an inconsistent player, and he's a player that it depends what socket he plugs himself into before he runs out to the pitch, whether he's electric or you know, or or, or, or not. Um, and um, maybe it's a good omen that he didn't have his greatest game at the weekend. Um, he didn't get too many chances. One cross comes in and he hangs a foot out at it and, and, and doesn't make great contact and it goes wide. But there are nights or there are there are days when when everything goes for him, and he's such an emotional player. I mean, I think he was almost in tears after the after his hat trick against Sevilla, and talking about how his his family have suffered with coronavirus this year, and he's lost a loved one, and he's and I think it was his dad and his sister have had it. He's a player who who will will build himself up for this final, and if it goes right for him. Um, then I think um, I think that could give Villarreal a real fighting chance. And as I said earlier, I think when Moreno's got a centre forward um, who will fix the centre backs, as they say in Spain, um, and that allows him to drift a little, um, then he'll cause far more problems for Manchester United than if he were having to be the nine. So if Back has the, has, has a good night, then Villarreal have a chance. Excellent. Okay, we're going to close this one out with an audio question from another socio. This is. Richard Cosmala, one of our regular contributors, with this question. G-Man P, hope you're both well. It's Richard in Nudsfield. Really fascinated on your views about the future, really, of Villarreal. Come both scenarios on Wednesday night, should they win? Does that mean Pal Torres might stay? Does Una Emre get a bit more of a war chest to kick them on again? If they lose, obviously you'll know if they've where they are in, in a kind of Europa League conference scenario. What does that mean? Does it even mean if Unai Emery's position's a bit of a struggle? Does the squad need a lot of refreshing? Either way, for me, it seems to need a bit of uh, new energy, really. And uh, it'd be fascinating to know what you think will happen after the game. Hopefully they'll win and uh, Champions League football at El Madrigal. Cheers, guys. Pete, I'll go to you. Um, this week, Manchester United, Barcelona, both... Um, linked with the 16 million euro, I think, buyout clause for Pau Torres. Um, next to Harry Maguire, possibly even next season. But what 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 is the fork in the road that Villarreal are approaching? What happens if they win or lose this final? Well, we know it's the difference between the Champions League or Conference. Um, I think even if they lose and have to play Conference, I don't think they'll... I don't think they'll push him out the door. I don't think they'll say, look, you know, we, we really need to get rid of you now. I think they're in a sufficiently good financial situation for them to hold him for, for a while longer. He's got the emotional connection at the club. He's been there since he's five, five years old. Um, I think he even watched the, the famous semi-final as a, as a fan uh, against Arsenal um, in 2006. Um, will he feel slightly more obliged that maybe he should help the club out by going at the end of the season if, if they're only in the conference um, and if a big money offer comes in I don't think he's in a rush I don't think he's he's in a hurry uh, I think he's very very happy where he is I think he's um, very level headed uh, I think he feels that he's improving um, with the help of Emery and with the help of Albiol um, so I don't think it's inevitable that if they don't make the Champions League, they will have to sell him and he will feel that this is now me, I've got to go. Um, but obviously it makes it easier to stay if they're in the Champions League having won the final. Yeah, I love the analysis. I sit because Pete, Pete's, there's nothing I can really, um, corners I can paint that haven't been painted. But, but I, I want to emphasise that I agree because 
For 65 million, you buy a, a tremendous footballer. And I know, um, even if I'm careful, from first-hand, first-hand knowledge, how much Liverpool want him and how much effort they've put into buying him already. Um, they've been working on him because they see in him not what he is, but what he's going to be. And equally, I'd say from first-hand knowledge that at left centre-back, Manchester United's first choice has always been Varane. So, um, let's say Varane ch- changes his mind and stays at Real Madrid or somebody else like Paris Saint-Germain beats him. There can be quite a ferocious market for Pau Torres, but if you look at him, he's pencil-thin. Were he to be playing specifically in England in the future, just like when De Gea moved, his upper body shape is going to have to change. There's a lot of gym work to be done. And any side paying 65 million euros for him would need to be clear that the first few months in terms of pace of game and in terms of being knocked off the ball would be testing. And I think that segues with what Peter was saying because I think Pau Torres can naturally feel that he's still developing quickly enough Certainly a Villarreal in the Champions League, no question about that. But um, he's a fixed centre-half for for Luis Enrique and about 45 minutes from when we're speaking, he's going to be named in the Spain squad while playing for Villarreal. So I I agree. While it's not a foregone conclusion that he'll either want to go or that he has to go, the market for him is, is big and it's robust. And in the current times... If somebody says, I'll pay you 60, but we'll pretend it's 60, or 55, and we'll pretend it's 65, and we'll say it was the, the clausula, as they call it here, then that's going to be extremely tempting, and um, it's going to be a running story across the summer, and, and like Peter, I hope he stays. Spain, La Liga needs players like him not to disappear off at the first whiff of... Um, big money okay that's all for this Q&A we're going to do it all again before the Champions League final but before that don't miss this week's brand new big interview with one of the players who will be competing for that trophy in Portugal Ilke Gundogan is on the show tomorrow that's Wednesday if you're listening for this fresh and then again part two on Thursday it was a great interview between Ilke and Graham we hope you like it enjoy your football and thanks for listening softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas... You will be timed. <laughs> <laughs> you will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, 
you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.